1: Hello, this is Sue Jackson, and my guest today is Dr. Teria Chantel, and I'm just so excited to have her on my program. Our topic is When Life Calls Out to Us, and I couldn't help thinking that, that song, I don't know who chose that song by Celine Dion, My Heart Will Go On. It was very appropriate, wasn't it, Teria? Teria, welcome. I just want to tell you a bit about Terea. She is, first of all, my mentor and my teacher, of Logotherapy and a very good friend of mine through many, many years. I was very fortunate and privileged to be in her first group of Logotherapy students at UNISA, and um, we have been together through many years. Terea now lives in Modi'in in Israel, but she is still the president of the Victor Frankl Institute of South Africa. She's also the course leader of training at the Center of Logotherapy set up in Istanbul. And she also is, gives talks in, in Israel on Logotherapy. Um, some of her students are the trainers there now, uh, her previous students, but she is still involved. And I think you always will be involved. I must also just add that, uh, Dr. Taria got her, um, her doctorate through um, her um, two-year doctorate research On Holocaust survivors She's got uh, books out called Life's Meaning in the Face of Suffering Which is the testimony of the Holocaust survivors It is on this doctorate research And it's particularly good And also The Quest for Destiny A logotherapeutic guide to meaning-centered living This year you brought out a new book the Life-Changing Impact of Viktor Frankl's Logotherapy. Terea, you never stop. I have been reading so many of your papers that you've put out. How are you today? Very, very well and very privileged and happy to be with you today, Sue. Oh, good. Um, toria you know that... You you brought – oh, actually, before we go on, I wanted to tell you that I picked up this – I'm showing it to you. It's a little pamphlet, 20 Books of 2020. It's the exclusive book selection of the 20 books, which encapsulates what's got us through this tumultuous first half of the year and will inform the months ahead. And guess what? Man's search for meaning was amongst the top 20. Now, I mean, that, he, that came out in 1946. Now, you trained with Viktor Frankl. How did that come about? Well, I won a bursary to go and study psychoanalysis in London, which drove me into a corner, because it just went back into your childhood and never looked at the future. And I wrote to Viktor Frankl and he invited me to his first logotherapy clinic in the USA. And it was, for me, a life-changing experience. It was the kind of thing I was wanting and panting for. Um, to have a vision, to have something to live for, to not just exist, to not just be the product uh, of your circumstances and, you know, the hapless victims of your past, but that you can take, uh, the control of your life and direct it according to the call that has constantly come to you throughout your life, but you never answered it until you were called it like I was at the, at the time when I met him, um, at the, United States International University with his first training in English what a privilege to actually be there with him and uh, as you said made an unbelievable impact on your life and you subsequently have impacted so many other lives because of logotherapy you know why I especially wanted you to come onto this program today I've been begging you for ages by the way But you've put me off But today I especially wanted you Because of coronavirus You know people are searching It's a time of uncertainty and And the unknown Facing the unknown And you wrote a paper This is your moment Exactly and So okay. tell me why Yes, Why is- yes. It, um, the life-changing experience that I had with Frankel is very similar to what we are experiencing now, that suffering corners you and it throws you into a situation of uncertainty and fear. But it's exactly that cornering of suffering that wakes you up to the challenge that there must be something that you are being called to do, and that it is your moment. Um, what was life-changing then was, for that very first day that I was with Franko was the at um, the end of the day, after he had given a talk which I cannot ever forget, um, where he was challenging us to fill up our books of life to record events in it that we can remember with fondness and with inspiration um, and to know that we gained ground instead of being the victim of circumstances and of doubts and worries and fears. You know, he challenged us, I just want to tell you this briefly, um, with saying if you were privileged to go to your own great stone one day. What will be written on it? What will be written on it? Will it be, oh dear, here lies so and so, it's such a pity, this person was so overcome with worries and problems and fears and anxieties that they never really loved. But he said it's far better than coming to a great stone that says, oh my word, look who lies here. The terrible things this person did to hurt and damage other lives. May he never live again. He challenged us and he said, you should come to a third gravestone that says, Echo Homo, behold this man, behold this woman. They, in the face of fear and threat, reached out to understand what their lives was about and... Like he said, suffering corners us with with a feeling this is not what I want and this is not what should be. But then it provokes a defiant power in yourself to actually take up the reins of your life and direct it in ways that would mean something, that would change the situation, that would bring about what ought to be. the death of my father that very night that cornered me with this. You know, what am I doing with my life? In my grief about his death, I realized that this this is it. I'm not going on to go on in this haphazard way of living anymore. You know, I said to myself, I have to know where I'm going and go there. Nothing else would do. And that was the change in my <coughs> We're going to get back to that. That's wonderful. A wonderful thought there. Um, Thank you, Craig.
0: This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM.
1: I'm back with Dr. Theria Chantal and I'm, I'm sorry we had to actually stop in the middle of you telling me that story about Dr. Frankel and your father. You lost your father. You heard about it as the, the, your course with Dr. Frankel was about to start. What did Dr. Frankel say to you? Did he know about it? Well, here's the incredible thing. Um, you know, the next morning, somebody uh, must have told him um, about the death of my father, because I did share it. Um, he came to me, and he congratulated me. Congratulated me in the face of such a great situation? But what was he doing? He was actually saying, you know, because the temptation was very strong, of course go back to South Africa immediately um, and to be with um, everybody at my father's funeral but he had gone into debt to help me pay to go to study with Franco So it was very meaningful to him that you did it. Yes and the family said go on and I decided to go on and that was what Franco congratulated me for That I didn't go and lie down in my grief. But I I learned from my grief. And I, you know, it was a vow to not repeat the mistakes I've made in the past with my father. Because that was really the grief that I did have. Why didn't I do this? And why did I neglect to do that? That was the grief. And I decided, never again. I will not do that anymore to anybody, and I will be there to create moments of meaning that will fill my life with meaning, and here it is, life calls out to us to respond to it, you know, it really is like that creation story, where God said to the hiding Adam and Eve, "Where are you, Where are you, come out. And where God closed them and sent them out of paradise with a mission. A mission to overcome every doubt, every feeling of, oh, well, you know, maybe uh, my life isn't um, that um, meaningful or, you know, it's a hard life. But to actually become strong and to develop character and to overcome evil with good And that was my orientation since then and the kind of inspiration I'm trying to evoke in my students, in everyone that I actually meet and have to do with. And you certainly do evoke that. I can talk for myself, I can talk for Wendy and Audrey and Sarit and Kanda and Sean and all of us, Coral, all of us. A lot of them are listening in today, a lot of your students and to all of us, you have shown us that uh, another way. And you know, Viktor Frankl said, and this is exactly what you're saying, ultimately man should not ask what the meaning of his life is, but rather he must recognize that it is he who is asked. So what do you think this time of world history is asking of us now, this time of pandemic? Well, you know, it's quite incredible that we have been forced into contemplation. There's such a wonderful scripture that says, go into your chambers, my people, and shut the door behind you until the indignation is passed. Um, It's to really get in touch with what is really important in our lives. Who we are, what kind of lives we've led. You know, it's a time of judgment on everything that is wrong in this world as much as it is a time that is calling out to those of us who are not taking up the torch of light bearers in this world and who are just wasting our lives in terms of being involved with things that aren't really not that important or not being quite sure as to what we want, but to have a clearer vision uh, to step out of this time of crisis with new resolve. That is what I believe the call is right now, and that's why, you know, we're it. but at the same time, isn't it wonderful how challenged we are, how our resolve can become stronger and our faith more refined you spoke about my interviewing Holocaust survivors but this was their story the story to overcome the worst of sufferings far far uh, more terrible that was the darkest night of human history the Holocaust and it you know the coronavirus can't even compare to what that was we're now just under the light strokes of challenges, but that was the biggest challenge of all, to defy um, what uh, the perpetrators had wanted us to believe, that we are scum, or that we don't mean anything, or we can be thrown onto the dust heaps of history, and it became a strong motivation to survive it, and not only to survive it, but to find a deeper sense of mission in that very situation. And to step out of it with triumph, you know. When Franco was released from uh, and liberated from the camps, he walked through a field of flowers. And, you know, the world is always beautiful. It's always waiting for us. It will never change. It is always calling out to us. And he sank on his knees. And he said, he just prayed this uh, verse from the Psalms over and over again. I cried to my Lord from my narrow prison, and he delivered me into the freedom of space. Ah, oh, I'm getting ready for the time that this coronavirus is over. There's a big battle going on in the world, let me tell you. But we are going to those purposes that are divinely ordered and that we are called to be part of will victoriously emerge from this. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to have this kind of faith in the face of uncertainty because, you know, thank God, I'm not shaping my life. I am and I am asked to be part of its shaping. So it's always a choice, because Frankl also said, and I mean, it was quite amazing, it could be said for this time. For the world is in a bad state, but everything will become worse, still worse, unless each of us does his best. And that best is our choice, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, isn't it wonderful, uh, what Frankl called the last of the human freedoms? It's never taken away. You know, it started operating from birth when we opened our eyes and started forming impressions of this world and evoked in our very being was, like you say, a questioning. What am I here for? Who am I? What am I to make out of life? Those questionings through all our hurtful experiences as well that makes us, can bring us to a point that I was brought to. And I, why was I brought to it so late? I, I always regret that. I could have come to this point much sooner to say, well, okay, here I am. I'm responding to this call that life keeps on um, uh, uh, putting out to me throughout my life. I always knew there was something or somebody other than myself calling me, although I didn't know how to formulate or how to understand it but why search for something if there wasn't something to be found? Why have a thirst, somebody said, is the surest sign of water? So if you're restless, it means you are meant to find your particular destiny and mission in life and it's right there where you are. At this moment of time in your circumstances you know there's James Hillman, a postmodern psychoanalyst, put it this way: Every person enters this world called and is born with a uniqueness that asks to be lived. And he's, you know, so much of, uh, so many of us are caught in what he calls the dissatisfied frustration of unlived life. Your life is given to you as a gift. That is why there is a birth and a death. It's a, it's a designated period of time. Life is a task, Victor Frankel told us, and we've got to take up that task. And you know, it's, it's a, there, there is a limited time. Um, but you know, life is so, so wonderful that it keeps on cornering us. It keeps on calling out to us. But the day, that like we say, like a prophet Isaiah, when he actually realized the glory of life's school and, and, you know, who shall we send? It's like there is such a need to get people to respond that he could say, here am I. Send me. You know, that's very interesting what you're saying about a task because I've told the story before about my grandfather, my Opa. Uh, he always got all of us together, his grandchildren, and he used to say to us, life is a hard taskmaster. Now we were little kids. So we would say to him, what's a task, Opa? And he would say, you'll all find out what your task is. And we would say, well, can we skip it? And he would say, no, you can't get away from it. Your task will be there and it is up to you to fulfill it. And at the time, it certainly never made sense, but I have thanked him for those wise words my entire life. And, you know, actually, when we begin to see how wonderful life becomes when we take up that task, then we say, why Why did I take so long to do it? Because, you know, there's, uh, what is meaningful? Frankl asked. It's when we are confronted um, by a situation that requires a certain response. And if we answer that question that in that situation poses in the right way, like Frankel said, each situation has got only one answer, the right one. If we give the right answer, just see what happens. You are so blessed. With a sense of meaning and purpose, your life feels on course. Your eyes are opened; you see things that you never saw before. I remember walking out of um, that night of grieving with my father, and where I actually heard his voice saying, "You know, fill up your book of life, you know, because it was empty, really. A little bit of a few little scratches in it, but nothing of import." And when I walked out and I saw the trees and the greenery and the sky, and I thought, oh my God, I was blind before. I walked past these things so self-absorbed that, you know, with with blinkers on my eyes that I didn't see. And I didn't see, and I saw people uh, for the first time. I was really interested in them. I wasn't self-consciously thinking what impression I am going to make on them. I was wanting to connect to them. And you know, it's like your life takes on momentum. It takes on a glory which knows that its destination is something magnificent. Oh my, you know how hope and faith and love gets revived and put into place. As you know, as, as, as uh, pain and despair and guilt recedes. So who wants to miss this kind of life? It's you know, life you. Uh, you know, I have to uh, say that so often in suffering and part of my, my life's work has in been with people who are dying or very ill or, or are grieving. For themselves or for their loved ones, and so often they will tell me of an incredible event that took place with their loved one, um, an awakening, as you say, almost a, a, an opening of their eyes to that carries them through that initial part of of grief. So often, it's that it's almost. Like, uh, uh, there is something beyond this world. There is something that I can hold on to. And it's that, it's probably that demand quality of life that Franko talks about, that look at what is being demanded of you right now in this suffering, in this pain, and, and this feeling that you're going through. So, that Franco talks about Suffering uh, is is never wasted. Why would he say that? Because it's such a, a teacher. Nothing can teach us as deeply, or can question us more profoundly, than when we suffer. We just need to open our ears to listen. And you know, when Franco spoke about conscience, it's actually our awareness of a deeply embedded awareness that we all have, like we call it the unconscious God, that we know we are related to more than ourselves. We know we want to reach out to more than ourselves, and we want to connect to more than ourselves. That's meaningful. And uh, that conscious, uh, that awareness of the call that comes from our innermost being, You know, opens our ears to hear what life is saying to us. Um, He he described conscience as the voice of the divine filtering through to our awareness. It's the commands of God to say, live. I've given your life for a good purpose, for a victorious and wonderful purpose. Open up to it and embrace it. Why are you doubting? Who told you that you were naked, you know, when he, uh, when uh, he confronted Adam and Eve's shame? Um, that's a lying voice. And you know, um, coming back to what you said about people who suffer, Frankel, in recalling these three gravestones, he said, he wants us to be the echo homo figures that know how to comfort to go to those who are caught up in problems and sufferings and do not see the way and to go and inspire and encourage and be with them and never give up on them and at the same time confront the evildoers and say a resolute no to what is hurtful. And you know, so often the kind of suffering we've suffered becomes our mission. Um, for example, oh, I've had it over and over again with my students and clients that in the in the white heat of their own suffering, they became aware of what they wanted to do. For example, that somebody who was sexually abused as a child, um, knowing what it feels like, developed the kind of skills to be able to speak to those who suffer in a similar way, and that becomes a mission. In their adulthood. It's incredible. So in suffering, you find your
0: mission. We'll we'll get back to that. Thank you, Craig. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM.
1: I'm back with Dr. Theria Chantel, and our topic is when life calls out to us. I actually want to thank Tereo's son, Shmuel. I saw his sandals in the background just now. Um, he was on my program uh, earlier this year. He's a, a, a tour guide in Israel, a wonderful one, I might add. Just I must just add that part. But I also want to thank DJ and Craig and Busi for keeping us on air. If you would like to send us a message, please do so. SMS us on 3, four. 519. Turia, you know, Victor Frankl talks about the heart remains restless. What did he mean by that? Well, exactly, uh, uh what I had already illuminated that, you know, and um, we will thank God, thank God. We will remain restless until we feel we've found our particular niche in life. And we we start giving instead of asking all the time. You know, one of the great, great turnabouts of Frankel's life was in the camps. When people wanted to be despairing and saying, there's nothing that we can expect from life anymore. And he challenged them with this graphic thought that came to him as well and said it's not what we want and ask from life not what we expect from life, give me, give me, give me but what life is expecting from us mm-hmm. Be- because in us has been invested so much um, that uh, and, and uh, all our lives have been shaping us in a direction where, like you said with Shmuel and um, where he is, where he is at the moment, his whole life shaped him to become a tour guide in Israel. He was a little boy who came to me and said to me, you know, mommy, school's wasting my playing time. He used <laughs> to be indoors. He always wanted to be outside. He forced us to go to the game reserve. And, you know, that has been the passion of his life, to be out. In nature, and to enjoy it, and to shepherd people through it, and you know, we have so many wonderful things that we'll just open our ears to it. Because as his mother, when he was a little boy, I, I, I knew that he was going to be a shepherd in Israel one day. I, you know, I don't know how I put that together, but I, and I didn't know exactly what it meant, but boy. Did it come true? So this is it. Listen to the restlessness of your own heart. Where do you want to be? What is, it you really want to do? What opportunities are staring you in the face right now? What have you been prepared to do? I mean, your whole, actually your whole background has shaped you, um, to become what you are meant to be. You know the most beautiful saying for me that sums it all up is what Frankel said what man is he is not yet but ought to be and should become what man is what is it this is who we are we we're looking for the ought to be in our lives we're looking for the what we are to become and only when we find that. Do we become what we have been set aside and created to be? So listen to your restlessness. Answer it. And I think that's what so many of us are being called to do at the moment. And I think a lot of people are in great despair. They're in the, the depression definitely is on the rise. um, Anxiety and and anger, a lot of anger. And I think a lot of that anger is... That uncertainty of not knowing, um, you know, what, what this time is actually asking of us. And no one can give us that time, as Frankl said. Um, you know, Edith Eger in her book, The Choice, said, History shaped you, but you shape your future. And I think that is a choice that we need to understand that we always have the choice to how we respond to what life is asking of us right now. And for people, certainly we look in South Africa at the moment, there are so many people in desperate situations. And so there is a lot of anger brewing and a lot of um, divisiveness across the world that's happening. And I think I'm sure you would, you agree with me because it's one of your teachings is that we all have to take responsibility for how we react, not how the world out there might be reacting, but what is our responsibility. What is your thought on that? Well, you know, when you talk about all the different conflicting emotions and despair and anger and uncertainty, um, we have to struggle with those feelings. Struggle through your feelings. Don't deny them. Struggle through them. You know, um, it's it's like a Jacob wrestling with an angel. You know, he was uh, he felt so persecuted by his brother Esau, and he was actually a kind of a cheat. Um, but struggle through your fears and your anxieties, and don't give up until the dawn breaks. And you get a new name, you know, that you set on course. And it's this uh, struggle that actually um, uh, we are uh, challenged to to face and go through. It's like a Job story. I love that story because, you know, Job actually um, challenged, uh, God actually challenged Satan, the adversary, um, and the one who makes us so uh, accuses us and makes us feel so down and out—all the feelings that uh, assail us in terms of meaning. But God said, "Have you considered my servant Job, the most righteous? We are beautiful in ourselves. Um, such uh, talent and potential has been invested in us." And what did God say? Okay, I'll take away the hedges. I'll let them go through difficult times. I'll let them struggle with their emotions. And they'll have very many angry responses to me as well. But I want that. I want to be challenged so that I can prove to them that their lives are meaningful despite the despair they're feeling. Despite The anger. And you know, if you, if you just deny those things and just suppress them, it's not going to bring you anywhere. Struggle
2: through.
1: Thank you so much, Taria. On that, we've actually, Craig is sending me a message to say we've got to wrap up. I would just like to thank you so much for being on my program. Uh, we're just going to a, a break, and then um, we've got a YouTube by Viktor Frankl, a very short one. But I also want to just end with this, uh, this uh, quote by Viktor Frankl. Man is capable of changing the world for the better, if possible, and of changing himself for the better, if necessary. Thank you, Terea. Your words of wisdom are always so inspiring. Wonderful to be with you. If you would like to find out about uh, um, anything more about um, logotherapy in South Africa, please look up uh, the Victor Frank Institute of South Africa, and you'll see Paniotti's name there, and get hold of her. It's admin at Victor, dot dot mm-hmm. um, Thank you, Craig.
0: This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. We're now going to be just listening to a very short
1: YouTube by Viktor Frankl, Finding Meaning in Pain.
2: We're going to meet Viktor Frankl, the internationally famous psychiatrist, writer, and lecturer. He deals with the most common ailment of our time, meaninglessness. Certainly nobody of us is spared suffering at one time or another. but everybody in the midst of suffering is given, ch- given a chance to bear testimony of the human potential at its best which is to turn a personal tragedy into a human triumph Dr. Franco what is meant by logotherapy? Uh, therapy means uh healing and logos means meaning. Thus logotherapy is really healing through meaning although this of course is an oversimplification. The lesson one could learn in Auschwitz and in other concentration camps in the final analysis was those who were oriented Taught a meaning taught a meaning to be fulfilled by them in the future were most likely to survive is a finite freedom, a limited freedom. That is to say a human being is never fully free from conditions, be they of biological or psychological or sociological uh, kind. But the ultimate freedom is always, and the remains always reserved to ourselves. That is the freedom to take a stand to whatever conditions might confront us. How we react to the unchangeable conditions is up to ourselves. In other words, if we cannot change a situation, we have always the last freedom to change
0: our attitude. ...to that situation. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, it's Sue Jackson, and I'm just saying
1: goodbye and goodbye to Dr. Teria Chantel. Please look her up on YouTube. There are lots of YouTubes of her very wise words. Thank you, Teria. I'm going to be contacting you shortly. Thank you, Sue. It was great to be with you all. Thank you.